Hello and welcome to the Talking Transformation podcast with Matt Bird, the founder and chief executive of Cinnamon Network International. I'm delighted to have with me today as my special guest, Mark Reeson from the Churches of Christ uh, Network in South Australia. Welcome, Mark. Hi, Matt. Good to be with you. And you too. Hey, Mark, in a nutshell, tell us about you and tell us what you do. Oh, wow. Um, so I am in my early 40s. I'm married. I have uh, three young children and I work with Churches of Christ in South Australia, Northern Territory as the Mission and Ministry Director. So I help uh, churches network with their communities. Um, and I'm also a lecturer at Table College in Adelaide. Amazing. And uh, it's been great to get to know you over the last year when I've been visiting Australia. But today we're talking about uh, the your response um, to the coronavirus and uh, how you're trying to help churches and community um, care for people who are experiencing vulnerability at this time. And I, and I love the way that you've got underway. I mean, how did all this start for you? Well, um, it, it kind of started really as part of a narrative I've been living in already this love your neighbor is is our tagline um okay. and a friend that's for the denomination mine, yeah sorry that's for the denomination for churches of christ yeah, well that, that's just a, a tagline that i've been kind of living in myself ah, uh, because okay. i've been i've been preaching uh on this theme over the last couple of months so um so it's kind of a natural thing that i've been living in and it, then a friend of mine over in melbourne she started a Facebook group called Love Your Neighbour. Okay. COVID-19 inspired community connections. Oh, and nice short me, name there. Yeah, just a short one. She asked me if <laughs> We'll work I with Love Your Neighbour, eh? <laughs> yeah. She asked me if I'd be willing to um, facilitate uh, a similar group in South Australia. So within kind of, you know, 24 hours, we had hundreds of people starting to join this initiative to Love Your Neighbour. Wow. <laughs> that's a, i mean i mean how come i mean where did people find you well all we all she did was uh, post a group to facebook thinking uh, oh a, a few of my friends might see this and they might help me because she was feeling a little bit um isolated and disconnected and thinking you know watching what was going on in in society with all the 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 hoarding and and panic buying um she was thinking maybe i might need to reach out to some friends at some stage and get some help but she quickly found that her friends were sharing this page and it was growing and growing. And then she asked me if I could start a group in, in Adelaide and, and suddenly um, we've got media starting to notice our group and they're starting to advertise our group. <laughs> and <laughs> we, we grew to a thousand people within 24 hours. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So here that's in, just uh, the Adelaide group. Yeah, that's just the Adelaide group. Yeah, so yeah. here in Wimbledon, London, uh, my wife and I, we've leafleted all the households in our street and yes. said we're going to set up a, a community support group. And now we've got nearly 40 people that responded and said they want to be a part of it to, to, to offer and also to receive, if needed, um, help from the local community. Uh, but what I love about yours is it's just kind of, it's kind of built a, built a kind of a net, a web, a, a community uh, online first. Yeah. And that's quite that's incredible. incredible. And, and yeah, how's and that? Really... Sorry, you go. I was just saying, how, how has that then translated down to street level? Um, so people join yeah. the Facebook group. Um, yeah. how, how do you get that help then operating at a street level? 
Yeah, I was really skeptical of this at first because, uh, you know, Facebook groups, in my experience, have, have remained online and haven't resulted in face-to-face connection. So I think because of the, the, the scale and volume and speed of the growth of this group, we've managed to find um, connections for people really quickly. Um, we've now up to 3,000 people in South Australia connected to this group in just the first five days. And, you know, Adelaide's not a large city so it's been really easy for people to find people in their own communities by we use hashtags to um to identify suburbs um so that people can uh, find one another and because we we're growing so rapidly we started regional groups so that people could connect more locally in their neighborhood okay. but one of the one of the things we're doing is we're starting um popular topics in the group um threads yeah so popular topics is something that you can create um, where you can share a resource or share an idea. And one of the ideas is something that you've just mentioned, Matt, which is a contact card. So you can drop a contact card in your neighbor's letterbox with your um, name and number and location and um, identify what kind of a service you're prepared to offer your neighbor, like walk your dog, pick up the shopping, um, drop a phone call. Um, so it puts the onus back on your neighbor to respond to your offer. So some people have already started doing what you're doing, Matt. Um, It's something that I intend to do in my street, but I haven't been available in my street yet to do it, and it's something I'm planning to do tomorrow. Oh, very good. So what are you going to do? Do a little note and pop it through the letterboxes? I'm going to use this contact card to uh, pop a note in each letterbox in in my street. The funny thing is I already know most of the people in my street, so I'm just kind of... Um, alerting them to my presence with, hey, if you're feeling isolated, yeah. if you're feeling anxious, um, I'm here. Yeah. It's interesting. I've seen two different approaches to it. One is uh, an individual offering help, and the other is uh, the invitation to join a group on the street who are going to offer and also potentially receive help. And, um, yeah. it, you know, I think both both have value. Um, I think at this time, this is an, an incredible uh, way to actually start a group response, um, you yeah. know, as well as an individual response where we say as a community on this street, uh, we want to look after each other. Uh, and I, and I yes. think that's really powerful. So I've seen cards that, for individuals right. offering help and of, to form groups to help. Uh, I think both are great, yeah. but I, I particularly like the, the group approach. Oh, definitely. I think that's really good. And the group approach is an interesting one at the moment because here in Australia, we have um, a rolling conversation changing the narrative on how many people can get together in one place. So, um, and that number seems to be shrinking more and more. So people are starting to get a little bit anxious about, you know, what size group I can meet in, but we're still trying to, I'm trying to change the conversation from it's not social distancing it's not social distancing it's physical distancing and social inclusion so how do we do that well yeah you know i mean you know me i'm passionate about human relationships so the very thought of social distancing is an anathema to me um because actually it's what makes relationships work so we we might we might slow down the spread of coronavirus but actually, in the process of doing so, we're going to create lots of other problems arising from social isolation. Um, yes, so I think right. I think you're right to distinguish between uh, physical distancing, um, but social intimacy. Um, I think if we can distinguish between those two things, it could be very powerful. Yes, most definitely. 
So what what do you see, Mark, as the opportunities, you know, to uh, to create social intimacy whilst still following government guidelines around physical distancing? Um, how, how can you see that working? Yeah, this is a really challenging one. Um, I think we need to take advantage of the technology that we have available to us. Um, so I've already started. Uh, one of the roles that I have is to provide um, care and support for pastors in my network. So tomorrow I'm hosting a Zoom conversation um, where any pastor can dial in and we've got an hour and we can check in and see how everyone's traveling. That's one of the things that I'm doing. I'm trying to model that so that they can do that with the people in their networks as well. Yeah. Because uh, I'm finding that people are wanting to do more FaceTime uh, with me than phone calls with me because we're not actually seeing each other as much. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so I think use the, using the technology tools that we have available to us. Uh, but one of the challenges that we're facing, a lot of pastors are raising with me, is that they have older people in their communities who don't have access to this tech. So they're saying, how do we actually include them? And uh, what are the safe ways in which we can include older people? So um, we haven't come up with an answer for that yet, but certainly we can use phones, make phone yeah. calls to people, write notes to people and let yeah. them know we're there. Yeah. And, you know, even, uh, I mean, <laughs> as I travel around the world, I go to a South Africa, everybody of whatever age in South Africa uses WhatsApp. Um, I travel yeah. around Australia and uh, very few people use WhatsApp. But actually, it's a That's very right. sim If you've got a smartphone, it's the most simple thing in the world to download yes. this app. It's completely free. It's safe and secure. And you can start groups. So what we've done yes. on our street is those people who want to give or receive help, <clears throat> and yes. we've, uh, we've invited them to join the WhatsApp group. So actually, on that yeah. WhatsApp group, we can, we can yeah. share offers and we can share requests. I've been saying to people, if you have a screen and a camera, which is most people, <laughs> you can use a range of free applications to connect. Yeah. What are your favorites, Mark? Just being practical for a minute. Um, I use uh, Facebook Messenger Video, um, Facebook Live, uh, Zoom, WhatsApp. Um, they're probably the ones that I use the most at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, and they all offer um, video, VC, video conversation. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Zoom has a, a premium um, uh, account as well, like a Zoom Pro. Where you, so I'm using Zoom Pro tomorrow. You have to pay a subscription for that one, but I can have up to 100 people um, at one time in that one. So that's something that I'm, I'm saying to churches. You can consider doing this if you've got lots of people in your community. Yeah. So, Mark, the, the, the you know, Actually, you know, there's churches uh, stopping meeting because either the government have advised, um, uh, you know, keep social distance or they've been actually told you can't meet in groups of 500 or more than 100. Um, so churches yeah. are closing and going online. Uh, some are ready for this. They've been doing it for years. But most, uh, this is new, new ground, new territory. Um, so I can see a, a huge shift of, uh, of Christian community and Christian discipleship um, yes. shifting to online facilitation and delivery. Um, you know, if all this happens, do you think the church will revert? And what will it look like if it does? <laughs> I was having this conversation with someone tonight, actually, because um, their church has decided that they're going to go back to house church model. Um, and uh, I thought, oh, that's, that's kind of going back to the way the church was. 
Um, but I also think a lot of churches I work with are not ready or don't know how to use the tech to go online. So they're either going to do what you've suggested is, is online streaming, online recordings, or they're going to revert back to being small communities, which I think is a really interesting shift. But I'm actually starting to think a little bit further beyond that and go, what opportunities are there that the church can press into to rebuild social connection? Yeah. Yeah. And there's a whole range of opportunities that I think the church can um, can prep themselves for for a time when we're no longer distancing ourselves from one another, and the church can be on the front foot there. Yeah, yeah, that is that is very true. I mean, my my observation is that churches spend an awful lot of budget on Sunday. Yes, and uh, the Archbishop of Canterbury has just said to the Church of England, uh, for the, for until further notice, don't meet on Sundays. Uh, as in Sunday yeah. church, and he said, "You yeah. know, uh, our way of life is going to be less about Sunday attendance and more about um, Christian prayer and Christian service." And yes. uh, whilst we might miss Sundays, you know, actually a renewal of Christian prayer and Christian service would be amazing things. Yes, yes, I've been trying to uh, change the question because a lot of people were saying, "What are we doing about Sunday service?" And I go, well, why don't you look at how we be the church seven days a week? What does it mean for us to be the people of God? And how do you, uh, as a leader of your church, help form people as the people of God every day so that they can be the church in prayer and service, as you said? Because um, it's not just about Sunday. And I think the Sunday model is being challenged right at this time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was chatting to a, a church recently. They've got, it's a big church. They've got 20 people on their team, paid team. And they've said, actually, most of them were servicing gatherings and meetings and events. And now they've yes. had to reconfigure all their roles and actually yes. make it half the team are working on building online community and discipleship content. And the other half of the team are now focused on the community and, and yes. serving people who are experiencing vulnerability. Uh, and I'm thinking, wow, um, did it take the coronavirus to, uh, uh, <laughs> to, to bring us to this point? I, and I don't want to make light of it. Um, but... but I've been I've been having this kind of little chuckle to myself as well, because in the last 20 years, I've been saying to the churches, the world has changed. You need to innovate. It actually took a virus for us to start taking this seriously. The world has changed and we need to innovate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, Mark, Mark, just as we wrap up. Um, you know, what What three bits of advice, practical advice, would you give church leaders listening to this podcast about how they, um, how they innovate um, to continue their mission and ministry through their church? First thing I would say is don't turn your nose up at new technology opportunities. Um, just because you haven't used it before and just because it hasn't been something that you've invested energy into before, it doesn't mean it won't work now. So open your mind up to the opportunities available to you through technology. That's one of the things I would say. The other thing is um, think beyond Sunday. Uh, we have certainly um, focused our service model around Sunday mornings and I think there's an opportunity for the church to consider what it means to embody the gospel of Jesus Christ every day. So we can actually start equipping our churches, not only to look after themselves, but to look outward towards their neighbours. And thirdly, I'd say um, 
think of resources that you can equip the members of your church with to practically and lovingly connect with their neighbours. This is not a time for social exclusion. This is a time for social inclusion. So how do we respect the physical distance that people need to have from one another but find innovative ways of including people socially because social isolation is already a pandemic in our world and yep. we don't want it to get any worse. Yeah. Hey, Mark, inspiring advice, um, an inspiring story. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Talking Transformation podcast. Um, I look forward to continuing to journey with you. Bye for now.